Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Core Knowledge Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Sestari, and this is the show where we are on a quest to bringing awareness to the heat beneath our feet in order to power the future. And I just want to take a minute to note that if this is your first time, we just want to welcome you to the show and thank you for tuning in. Um, and make sure you go ahead and subscribe to the show and leave us a review and a rating. And if you're tuning in for another episode and you've already been here with us, thank you for following along and hope you've enjoyed all of the conversations up to this point, uh, just with the amazing companies and people we've we've been chatting with and talking about the future of geothermal. And so today is no different uh, we're going to be in the space of oil and gas, but talking about how we're positioned to make a huge impact and wave in the geothermal space. And so with me today, I have Asad Mohana, who is the Senior Director of Low Carbon Solutions Group at NOV. And I'm pleased to have him with us here today and really excited to dive into his role and how NOV is positioning themselves to help advance and push geothermal technologies for the future. So Asad, thank you for being here today and uh, just go ahead and let the audience and on a little bit about yourself and kind of your journey to what led you to this position. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Nick, for the introduction. And let me let me start by saying congratulations on your show. Um, it's a it's a great way to communicate, and I and I applaud you for for taking this initiative. Also, if uh, if your uh, listenership happens to to tank, uh, I'm, I'm after this show, I'm willing to take full responsibility. So. <laughs> 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 uh, no, I don't think that'll be the case. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, uh, a little bit uh, about how how I kind of got here. I'm uh, uh, I work for NOV. Been been with NOV for for 15 years. I'm here in Houston. Um, been doing this low carbon solutions role for uh, an entire three months now. Um, but uh, I'll tell you a little bit how that came about. Um, before going to school, I was kind of debating um, what should I go into, is, uh, either engineering or uh, go into medical field like my father did. And, uh, and so I, I spent a bit of time with my, my dad uh, in his clinic for, for, for a long time in my childhood. And uh, it, never, it never stuck around, like it, it never clicked with me. That never felt like something I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And so I thought I'd try something different and um, spent a couple of summers doing um, uh, mechanical work so I, I, or automotive mechanic work. I worked for Nissan and, and Hyundai for, for a little bit because my neighbor worked there. And wherever he went, I'd be like, yeah, sure, I'm, you know, tag along. Is there a little bit of pay enough for me to, to spend on, on uh, pocket money? He's like, yeah, sure. And so I kind of got my hands dirty with that and uh, kind of fell in love with uh, seeing things move and, and automation and, uh, you know, high speed and, and, and equipment and just that environment of um, technology and, and speed. And, and that's, that's kind of what kind of pulled me into going into a mechanical engineering degree. And, and from there, really got out of school straight into NOV, where to me, the oil field was a natural answer. It was either actually oil field or automotive. And because, because I had the, the, the first opportunity that I got was in the oil field just happened so that I, I joined. And so I moved to Dubai from, from Beirut. And um, uh, really, I mean, great couple of years there, spent, spent some time cleaning tools, washing tools, downhole tools that uh, went in our drilling and intervention solution system uh, or business unit. Um, and, uh, you know, spent some time in the field, got out, ran, ran some tools, kind of understood, uh, started to understand how things evolved from there. Um, uh, somebody thought I should spend some time in Saudi because Saudi Arabia was where the real action was happening. And so I, I moved there, spent about four or five years, um, in really a ginormous size operation there. Uh, just seeing 200, 300 rigs at a time operating with all, all sorts of issues and, and, and uh, you know, operation uh, challenges and, and things to solve. And so that's where my role changed to become a bit more on the technical side and uh, operational engineering um, until I slowly transitioned into uh, more of a, you know, on the, on the business side. The more I did engineering and met with customers and, and uh 
you know, presented uh, failure reports for some incidents that we had, uh, the more I liked that interaction and wanted more of it. And um, fr- from there, uh, you know, got a uh, c- couple of positions in that role. But uh, but then uh, somebody in Houston said, uh, Assad, you, you're doing one thing right. Uh, how about you do that for the rest of the regions? And and, and so I got pulled into, into Houston doing a product line Parkland management role, which was pretty cool, um, except it was 2014, and um, mm. it was a terrible year to make any move. Yeah. <laughs> <And so> I <laughs> came over with very little, uh, you know, very little equity uh, in, in, in the organization over here. Didn't know too many people, and uh, but uh, held on and uh, kind of grew uh, our, our capability. My focus then was how do we protect the business, right, in a very mm very challenged environment. Um, and it, and it, was, it, was, it was interesting because originally the job was very externally focused and how do we grow the business? And then, you know, um, I, I learned a lot about the supply chain and, and, and the, you know, cost of supply and, and how can we minimize our costs and protect our margins. And so it was, it was fascinating and interesting. But then I think the, the big shift in my career has been kind of moving out from the business into more of a corporate role where I was doing uh, business strategy for the 17 business units at NOV. That lasted three or four years before um, I did um, low carbon solutions. And in, in those three or four years, I think the, the case for a low carbon solutions group grew tremendously. Most of the work, I mean, uh, started from being 100% focused to oil and gas, but as the energy transition unfolded, we realized there's more and more opportunity and more and more things for us as an organization to do and hence justified us sort of transitioning 100% to doing uh, low-carbon solutions, which is um, where we are today. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. I think, you know, I, I think the the best part or the coolest part or something I, I take away is just the uh, experiences that you had along the way that, you know, you even as you reflect back on it, that experiences really do make the, you know, the, they are the the best part of things and just how you learn. Cause you never know where you're actually going to, going to go or where it's going to take you. But even just from early days of working on the, the cars and just getting your hands like dirty and learning and just kind of trying to figure things out. I think that's, uh, it's kind of where we are in this whole energy diversification transition space is that there's a lot of things that are already happening, but there's a lot left to just start putting your hands to the, to, you know, to work and starting to just try to figure things out because there's a lot of things that have been invented already, but you know, there's a lot more left to be invented, but also just a lot of work to, to be done. So I love um, seeing that, you know, NOV has taken the, the opportunity to create a group that's, you know, dedicated to putting not only their knowledge and technology to that and leveraging it, but also trying to, spread the word and, and push that uh, inside of the oil and gas and oil field service area. Cause I think, I really do think that's where a lot of it will come from just by the nature of the assets and the knowledge and the people uh, that we have inside of this space, that there's a huge, huge potential for us to look outward and not as much inward and keeping it to ourselves, but trying to, to see where we can help and help advance stuff. So that, you know, that brings, the geothermal conversation in, you know, and I'll bring it into the low carbon solutions. And obviously it is, it is one and one that I believe that oil and gas is very directly uh, related to. I mean, besides, you know, you have the sequestration and utilization part of the CCUS and CCUS, which are subsurface related. But when you look at batteries and solar and wind, you know, a lot of that sometimes from a, from a subsurface, you know, side of things, when we're talking oil and gas, that doesn't necessarily relate or catch everyone's uh, attention as much. I mean, you see it everywhere and I know there's engineering involved and there's still hurdles, but I think the extractive industry, such as oil and gas with geothermal, uh, just, it fits naturally and there's a lot of great people. So, you know, I want to that obviously, like you just said, 2014, ever since that point, even there's, there's people out there that, uh, I hope that as geothermal grows, it can begin to employ, you know, even some of those people that want to get back into 
drilling again with drilling engineering or, or whatever reservoir management or, or stuff of that or facilities engineering or maintenance same same kind of things that will be needed um, so I guess from your side in your team um, in, in OV's expertise in general you know what are what is your team doing or learning or just trying to survey in the space of geothermal yeah let me let me track back just a second Nick on something you said on um you know, the value that that we can bring. I, it, we truly believe that geothermal is a is a is a core strength uh, to our industry, and uh, the subsurface knowledge is something where we can uh, bring tremendous uh, value in from our experience in oil and gas. But uh, and I'm hoping to to talk a little bit about this too. But we do see also a, a lot of synergies and parallel skills that. Uh, land in the, in the in the solar and wind and uh, hydrogen and carbon capture spaces. Uh, just because uh, our industry has been such a uh, su- such a large player in, in extremely complex uh, uh, challenges that we've resolved over the years uh, in extremely uh, challenging and harsh environments, um, where uh, you know. Whether it's uh, hurricanes or it's extreme heat, uh, we've, we've we've built technology to build to build and, and last. And so, um, just want to make it clear that uh, while while geothermal is, is definitely a uh, an area of, of tremendous focus, there's there's so much more that uh, we as an industry, you know, let alone the fact that NOV's uh, very big in those spaces too. The industry can 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 make a pretty large dent. I mean, who out there has delivered, um, you know, uh, several billion dollar projects over and over again for the last many decades, right? Uh, you know, you, you, you arguably you could say space, uh, but space hasn't drilled a well or twenty four thousand wells a year in the last few years, right? It's a there's a there's there's volume and, and frequency that come into play, um, but I'm happy to tell you a little bit about what what's going on in geothermal and and from there probably expand into the other spaces. It, it's an interesting journey for us, Nick, because um, in 2019, 2000, early 2020, right before COVID, um, we thought. Uh, we, you know, there's there's lots going on in energy transition, and um, we needed more of a uh, just a, a business case for uh, how we participate in that world, or you know how to address it, or a, a business level strategy. We needed more of a uh, organizational strategy to to address these what was coming our way. And, and, you know, to our surprise, um, when we got, uh, you know, 30 or 40 executives from across the organization, we had this, I would say, a very monumental historic meeting um, in Europe uh, where we put everybody together. I remember go, traveling there. It was in Skidam in, in, uh, in the Netherlands, where one of our business units is based. And I remember flying there and in the airport, looking at the screen, I was looking at uh, the news channel and somebody was talking about this thing going on in Wuhan in China. I'm like, oh, interesting. It's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, not, not for a second, I thought this was going to evolve into the you know, worst uh, pandemic of our, of our generation. But yeah. there, was, there was a lot done in that in that week because what we decided after that meeting really shaped a lot of what we're doing today. And for not a sick, not a single second, we were thinking to uh, let go of our core oil and gas heritage and what I will believe we will remain in full support of for many, many decades to come. I think what we've decided and come up with back then is to take a number of verticals or areas and spaces where we felt NOV could, uh, within reasonable amount of time, bring value and be a leading player in those spaces. We started with a wide spectrum of uh, spaces ranging from, you know, uh, fusion and fission to uh, geothermal to wind and solar to aquaculture to hydrates to 
you know, you name everything that's going on around this space. And we said, okay, in each one of those, first of all, what's our history? What have we done? And if we haven't done anything, what can we do? What can we bring to the table? And in sort of a third layer, what, what can we develop that fits into that space that still fits within our core space of, of, of knowledge and, and skills? And so the common theme, you know, going sort of back to geothermal, the common theme becomes technology and innovation. Irrespective of what the energy source is, where it lives deep or high in the sky, or um, it becomes just a way of doing things. And what we've realized is that most technology exists. There's, you know, 85% of the technology already exists. Yeah. And so the redeployment of technology is what matters. How do you repurpose it so that it fits this new environment? How do you build around it a sustainable supply chain and a business model that fits the supply and demand? How, how do you uh, create the policy to support it and make it so that it's uh, protecting for those taking the highest risk and sort of getting the, the government to take on some of that uh shared risk um, today sort of jump forward a couple of years these verticals that we've established and built have uh, which really started as a lot of passion a lot of time volunteered by a lot of individuals that really wanted these as hobbies in addition to what they were doing today these businesses or verticals have become uh, sort of sucked in or created their own entities to build that environment where they can self-sustain, they can create a structure, an environment where they can grow, um, grow sort of a, not just, you know, build technology, grow a brand name, brand recognition, uh, a market presence, an understanding of what really our customers want. Um, and, and I think that that sort of formula for us has worked to materialize a lot of the, again, hobbies and, and passion that we had to, to truly become a successful business proposition. Yeah, no, I think the, back to your, you know, first point, I think that was key is, is that what I love, you know, obviously, uh, you know, set out and the goal of, of shedding light on geothermal because I feel like it doesn't, doesn't get the press that some of the other, uh, renewables does. And I think it has, you know, equal, if not more potential than some, but I do like the point that I always try to, you know, push on too, is that there, this isn't a space of, you know, the goal here is not, Oh, we need to replace oil and gas or, Oh, it's, there's only one answer. Uh, you know, and I love that approach that you mentioned from NOV is that, you know, Hey, there's a whole world out there. I mean, call it a sandbox or whatever you want that there's just, there's all these things being looked at or, or you know, thought about, or how does this play a role here? And just think of our world and how complex it is with how many systems and uh, different things that use heat or electricity or power or some form of whatever it is we're producing. And it just, you can't help but be like, there's, the solution is not one. The solution is let's work to the, you know, to the most sustainable, best use case of all of these working together. And And I think that's, great. And when I've talked to some of the companies who are even trying to couple geothermal with solar to, you know, to take right. care of that excess solar power that's not getting used because it's the wrong time of day, they just put it in underground and then pull it back out in the form of heat in their geothermal reservoir when it's needed. And, you know, so I think those kind of things where we don't operate in vacuums and we don't treat it like we have proprietary information in oil and gas and that doesn't go anywhere or, or solar is just, that's all we only do what we do here or, you know, you know, all of the arenas need to kind of, I view it I, kind of how I phrase it is the energy community needs to actually come together and push it forward. It doesn't need to just be, uh, you know, one person or, or isolated vacuums. And so I, I love, I love that approach in, in that meeting. I mean, that sounds, you know, that's a great, a great meeting to have and, and great buy-in. Um, it's a great thing that there's buy-in to say, let's, right. let's kind of think differently. Like, yes, oil and gas is still going to be a core business for, you know, I mean, a long time, no one's, that's not going away overnight. Um, but are there more sustainable things that companies can leverage their expertise and technology and say, well, we've been using it for this one thing for 50 years, but you know, can we tailor it a little bit differently or just, test it in these other test cases. So I think 
you know, I, I love that. And I mean, that's what excites me the most is seeing the, you know, people come together and just start innovating or start rethinking what has the earth given us, what's out there available for extraction and use and how do we get better at it, right? Oil and gas, I mean, took people taking some risks uh, to get to where we are today. And, you know, even the unconventional business or offshore exploration, uh, you know, a lot of these things that 10, you know, 10 years ago, unconventionals were really not economic and a very not widely thought of as a possible thing to do. And and people kind of just either scoffed at it and said, not for us, uh, good luck with that, or, or just didn't get in. And then now you look at how today it's, uh, you know, it's almost as easy as brushing your teeth to a degree because we've worked and worked at refining the model and the technology and, and just understanding the reservoir and subsurface. So, so yeah, I think that's key. And, and I'm excited to see all of the efforts and, you know, from a, from NOV standpoint, you know, I guess just for the listeners that maybe, you know, don't know, or even if they do, you know, I guess from a expertise and technology standpoint, you know, what are some of the things that you guys see uh, that you're positioned well to offer to, we'll start with geothermal industry, but then, you know, expand, you know, what are some of the things you guys feel like you, you have, you're positioned well to offer to the industry? Yeah. So what we've, what we, what we found was, uh, was interesting for us. That was, uh, almost, uh, an immediate win was the fact that we already design and equip offshore, uh, First of all, jackups or any floating structures, whether it's semi-subs or drill ships. And so uh, that immediately translates into ability to design and equip uh, offshore installation vessels for uh, wind turbines. And, and these things, uh, it's not like they're staying stagnant and you know consistent in size. These things are growing. And the, and the big wind turbine OEMs, they're busy making the biggest wind turbines in the world. Uh, and so uh, what, we've, uh, what we've taken is that the engineering skill set deployed it in, in, in offshore wind. And now I would say we touch a great majority of the installed base of wind turbines around the world through our um, uh, installation vessel designs. And around that, you, as you can imagine, goes, grows a wide slew of services and capabilities and technologies to support that, whether it's in the pipeline cabling, it's in the fiberglass uh, material that fits in for non-corrosive environments, whether it's the digital capabilities to monitor um, or in the, in the feeding and support for those installation vessels. So there's a, there's a, gro- it's, it's a growing uh, structure in that space. Very close to it is the floating wind world, where again we've we've designed and installed a lot of these uh, semi subs, and so our ability to uh, design a floating wind turbine that or uh, foundation uh, for a for a for a turbine um, uh, again a space that's not entirely economical today, but it's on in that route. I think we can play a big role in that space. In onshore wind, we took our sort of uh, land oil and gas heads and minds and skills and thought about the mobility aspect or the transportation aspect. One big hurdle for onshore wind is getting these gigantic blades across I-10 or wherever you are in the world over highways. Um, or also the uh, the tower sections under bridges and in turns. And, and what we thought about what we can bring to that challenge was that we built enormous land rigs in the Middle East that travel their entire life, not just in one trajectory from manufacturing plant to location. And so we sort of looked at the problem from a truly agnostic perspective, trying to rethink how we can do things. And we landed on uh, a, a, a quite uh, a great partnership with with a company that manufactures uh, uh, cylindrical uh, towers on site. So you go and and are able to spiral weld uh, the bottommost piece of the tower, which is going to be your widest, on site. That, hence, enabling taller tower technology to access greater wind resources. As a result, re- reducing your entire wind LCOE. 
Um, in uh, it, I know you asked me to, to start with geothermal, but for some reason that's how they're organized in my brain. Uh, no, that's fine. With, with geothermal, we, we look at it from, and as you probably know, you know, geothermal is not just geothermal anymore. You got various types and styles of geothermal. You got the conventional geothermal, but you also have the the, the shallower geothermal, the closed loop geothermal. You got the repurposing wells geothermal. You have the geothermal combined with solar, like you said, or combined with lithium, as some companies are doing. And so um, we're in a lot of these spaces and we have uh, some very smart folks focusing in that space uh, to challenge the economics when it comes to each and every one of them, to look at what the next technical limit is and say, how can we resolve it? And a lot of places, Nick, we'll, we'll find that well, something's getting a lot of traction in the market. A lot of you know, a lot of times we say that's probably more hype than truth. And the 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 least the road the road with the least resistance to actual commercialization may not be what we're seeing. And so we try these ways, and I think, like most companies, but we I think we we truly do it um, um, more effectively than than others is how we are able to fail cheap. And, 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 you know, we, we go out there and we test things. And having a test facility uh, here north of Houston helps us a lot with, with our own drilling rig, with our own lab, with our own equipment. Uh, we don't have to go and beg for rig time or for a well or for equipment or a drill string. We have all of that. So acceler- it accelerates um, our learning curve. And so for, with, with geothermal, I think there's a number of things that are coming. Uh, a lot of them we're not making public yet, but that uh, I believe are addressing very specific technical limits that the geothermal world uh, will benefit from once resolved in economical ways. Um, in solar, even, you know, shifting to some other things we're doing, we're also looking at reverse engineering how solar farms are deployed. That's probably one of the furthest to our spaces. Like solar is the most commoditized renewable source you can find. A lot of the uh, the, the reduction in cost, which has been tremendous, um, has all been scale. The cost curve has all been scale and not technology. How can we bring in technology to reduce those costs so that you don't have to build a 300 and 400 megawatt plant to make it economical? Um, how can you, uh, you know, how can you make residential solar economical as opposed to only utilities being the economical one? Same perhaps goes to geothermal. How do you make geothermal behind the grid or in front of the grid competitive? And that that becomes the real challenge for us is how to make it accessible. And the, and the last one I'm going to touch on, and there's probably more, is is the carbon capture, which um, really the the group I'm in today and and um, uh, really the, the most uh, exciting thing perhaps that's new and happening is around our capability to be part of this massive, massive opportunity of carbon capture. Uh, as an oil and gas company, we have processed a gazillion ton of gas. You name yeah. whatever gas it is. And we've processed it, we've conditioned it, we've dehydrated it, we've compressed it, and We've done that over and over again. We've built facilities to do that in the harshest environments in the world and in the most uh, economically challenged environments. And so I think when it comes to carbon capture, it's absolutely no um, stranger for us in terms of capabilities. We immediately apply that processing engineering, that chemical engineering skill set to build some of the most economical um, engineering solutions for carbon capture, transport, and storage. And so as we have these conversations, it's exciting because now, you know, you're no longer just talking to your conventional, you know, your, your the usual suspects, your oil and gas buddies, your, your relationships. You're really having to get out of your industry and talk to any emitters, whether it's a, whether it's a cement uh, plant or a steel plant or any plant that makes anything and has yeah. emissions. And so it's it's pretty cool, and I'm really excited to, to be part of this this exercise. Yeah, no, I mean that's yeah, I mean that's 
I think for me, even just hearing more on that from your perspective and NOV's, you know, side of things that, uh, I mean, a, I mean, very impressed at just the, the breadth at which you're, you're approaching it from all angles of not just limiting yourself to one arena, but truly saying, you know, if we're going to be part of, you know, if we're going to help get ourselves to these net zero goals or this sustainable future, you know, how, how does that happen? And I mean, A, it's, it's all hands on deck, but B, it's, it's, uh, you know, quick action and urgency of let's, let's put everything we got on the table and try and refine it, figure out what works, what doesn't work. And then, you know, what does put all the effort into it. And like you said, it's, it's great that you guys have the test facility and, and things like that, but that's what goes back to me of, of why, companies like NOV are so important is because the assets and the the knowledge and just the the time that they've been around and experience they have is something that you just cannot look past and and say we need to you know it's a new we're doing new things in the future like yeah there are they are new uh, technologies to some degree and, and there will be innovation but you know these companies the NOV Schlumberger neighbors and, and all the you know and then all the majors of Shell and Exxon Chevron have been for 50 plus years, some even more than that have been constantly uh, learning and innovating. So it's the problem solving mindset that I think is a huge, you know, plus and, and almost that's like the treasure that you need to keep and move to these other things. So, you know, yeah, I think all of those that we talked about are, are going to be important for, you know, the offset of emissions or just the, the general, you know, replacement curve that you see in all the projections for the energy future they they really um you know and i think the one thing that maybe when i read those don't don't get from them the same that i do from talking to people such as yourself is the inclusiveness i think a lot of times they only focus on solar or they only put wind as the because they're there and they're proven you know and they're uh, they're cheap at this point i mean they've worked their way down so i i think it's you know talking to you i know some other things are starting to gain traction and be put in the mix but it it is interesting to see the the wedges and it's mostly, you know, natural gas for a while, then it's solar and wind take a real massive exponential. And then you see kind of a tiny sliver up top that's basically says other renewables. And, and, you know, I think it's part of that's maybe due to a lack of education to some degree out there of what's actually being done. Um, you know, and, and obviously that'll change, I hope in the course of, uh, as things become more public and things start to develop, um, you know, but, you know, I also think, uh, one thing that I've really thought was exciting is, you know, you brought up carbon capture and and that is an exciting thing. You know, I, I think it's fascinating and I really hope it pans out the way that what we're saying it can and, and really exceed even expectations. But I've even seen in some of the realms of with the geothermal projects of talking about eventually once we're getting better at monitoring and tracking things down hole that, you know, using CO2 as a fluid or as something to working fluid to almost couple sequestration with our projects uh, down hole. Um, there was one in Japan that was recently announced. And, and so it's cool to see everything coming together saying, how can we use all of these and, and, you know, do the best. And also it makes the economics better, right? There's ways to, to help with that cost. Cause you know, I think, I think I have my own ideas, but you know, that's, kind of next after you've mentioned all the things you're in, you know, I want to, I wanted to ask you kind of your take on the, you know, besides the technical limits, which obviously exist in all of those arenas and, and there will be need for innovation, you know, what are, what would you say are some of the, the major hurdles outside of the technical side of things that, you know, geothermal faces and then all also just the, you know, the rest of those and, and, you know, from a policy standpoint, a government involvement, also from a regulatory side of things and then just anything else that, you know, from your, your angle of getting to see all these, you know, you know, just getting your opinion on that. Yeah. You've, you've hit the boxes there. I mean, you, you'll hear policy or hear technology and innovation in some places, not being ready in some spots. <clears throat> uh, but I think, you know, from, from my perspective, I think going back to something I mentioned earlier on um, the learning curve and you know, you with with solar, you know, and and wind, um, you get to you know, put up a small size farm. You you get to even put a single wind turbine, uh, or you know, a one megawatt uh, uh, solar project, and learn a lot from it. 
just uh, how everything works together because the rest is very repetitive. Um, you, you go to these other spaces and, you know, developing a single project is uh, a lot greater of an investment and an undertaking than a single asset. And so the, uh, the, the nature of asset-heavy technologies, and I consider geothermal being one of them, except even if you're using an already drilled well, you get you get an entire infrastructure around that well that you need to prove out before you get to generate electricity. Yeah. Um, the the learning curve is slow, and so I think one challenge is in some places uh, a bit too much engineering and way too many conferences and too little deployment. Yeah. If if we if we put more of this stuff out there and and try to even though it doesn't necessarily make too much sense today i think our our learning curve would sharpen quite a bit and and hence would accelerate wider adoption um the second challenge i want to talk about is sort of the, the environment we're in as we're talking today i don't know nick you correct me keep me honest here but we're a bit over 80 bucks per barrel yeah, it was like 81 today, I think, something like that. And so today things are are fairly well for the for those who are producing oil and gas and hydrocarbons. But it's still a challenging environment for those who are either providing services or they're still further down the supply chain. And so when you when you're in an organization and you're in a leadership position and you're making a choice of um, you know where what to do next. I think you're faced with two options. One is to keep defending your balance sheet so that you get across and survive, uh, or option B is to is to grow and take advantage of the next wave that I think I think we're all starting to see. And that's a challenge because. Uh, you know, funding and cash flow need to come in first to feed into investment into this new space. And so there needs to be sort of a, a, a transition at some point of when do we uh, start plowing back in investment into these less proven technologies? And how are we able to bring in value? Every organization is going to have something to offer. And I truly believe you know, don't want to sound arrogant saying that, but truly believe our industry um, has not just a primary role, but I'm truly bullish on the importance of the role our industry has to play in the energy transition. And so bringing those core competencies and values, how are you going to monetize and turn those into executable businesses? Knowing renewables and the margins and, and returns that are expected in renewables not everybody's going to be happy when comparing it to oil and gas. And so you, there's, a, there's a bit of a shifting culture within organizations as the external environment reshapes itself to say, yes, I'm willing to participate in this perhaps uh, you know, less returns environment, but reduced psych- cyclicality as well. A way of thinking not every organization oil and gas is used to, and sort of trying to another barrier to to progression and growth. So that's that's how I kind of see the things from my perspective, at least. And and if you'll notice, they're uh, they're both very uh, people based. This uh, you know, technology is not uh, in the mix. Technology will happen if it's not there, but it's really about the people. And if 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 we put our heads together and, and are able to build the, the right relationships and collaboration out there um i, I think we'll, we'll 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 keep making energy available and accessible like we've done with oil and gas for many decades and uh, i think we'll, we'll be we'll be up to the challenge yeah yeah i think collaboration is is key and in, in continuing to educate uh people and and uh, you know those that may not you know, understand the full picture of it or just understand where we need to, to go or direction. Like you said, there are some hard decisions that will have to be made or just some, maybe not even hard, but it's just a mental shift almost of a, 
you know, looking at things where it is, it is easy to, to sit here today as we talk, like you mentioned, and say, well, everything's good because we're, you know, money's coming in, operations are fine. It, it, there's no real need to, to look at anything different or, or even kind of map that out. But, you know, I mean, you know, as well as I do, and I've mentioned on the podcast before that, you know, what is, you know, the things that people like expect to be done tomorrow basically already needed to be done, you know, yesterday, you know, in terms of like innovation or pioneering efforts. And so I love that you, you brought it up. I was going to bring it up, but the, the back to the R and D, you know, style of, of thinking of when do we, you know, kind of stop just hedging the bets and, and kind of holding on and keeping, you know, cash in, which obviously have to do, have to make money. It's a, it's business that's understandable, but also just, yeah. When do, when do we turn around and say, okay, here's where we want to be by 2030, by 2050. Uh, and how, you know, how do we get there? And if that means partnerships, I mean, that's part of it, obviously, like you mentioned, but also, yeah, I mean, some things won't be economic at first, but if nobody, if nobody does them, uh, then I mean, 2030 comes and you won't, there won't be anything to show for geothermal or nuclear progression or any of this other stuff we're looking at, or even CCS and CCUS, if we're not, you know, actively trying things that seem like a bad decision or maybe not even a bad decision, but just uneconomic or not attractive at the time. I, you know, I think, I think we can, by stepping out there and doing the hard things, um, as the industry that we are and just the, the, you know, the footprint that we have and, and Mm -hmm. where we are located across the globe and the access to people, like you said, which is, going to be the key resource in this whole thing it it just makes sense and, it, and you know it doesn't there's no reason not to leverage that um and, and really take some risks that ultimately i think will pay off and i mean you're already starting to see that there i believe that there will be m- maybe maybe it won't get to the level that oil and gas you know has been in terms of the, the amount of money or just the the cheap way that you know cheap level of operating or the cost you know but i think that as we shift and as policy and regulatory, you know, comes together, puts their head together on a more efficient way to get projects executed. Cause I know in geothermal, that's one of the issues is the regulatory mm-hmm. agency. It takes sometimes a year to three years to get a permit ready when in oil and gas, we've been drilling wells for forever and it, it's a very streamlined yeah. uh, process. So that's one of the arenas that I think there's room for collaboration to just get people in a room and say, Hey, look, th- we're not doing anything inherently different at all. It's just a, we're extracting heat now instead of you know just making sure you're setting up the structure to protect the yeah. environment same way that we did before. But uh, yeah, I believe in the future there will be more opportunity for cash flow that goes beyond just the generation of the power um, and the electricity. Whether it's you know in the geothermal space, obviously there's a there's many other uses that can be coupled onto it. Whether it's like you said in front of the grid, behind the grid, you know, behind the meter customers for direct heat, yeah. uh, whether it's once the temperatures are still hot, but too low for other things, using it for drying of paper goods or of food processing or greenhouses or you name it. There's, I think the business model for all of these things goes beyond. And I mean, and at the end of the day, we all intrinsically want to, to help, you know, make a better future uh, for those behind us and leave, you know, leave a better better world and just a place that we're taking advantage of all the, the sustainable options we have. Um, so yeah, I agree with you on all that and think it's, um, it's going to be an exciting, you know, five to 10 years in my opinion, just to see I agree. what, what happens because I think there's, I, I truly think we're in one of those times that it's, we're in for one of those times like the unconventional series or, or, you know, first expiration of deep water, you know, where there's, there's big, there's yeah. big things on the horizon that I think we don't even know what they are yet, but it'll be fun to watch. Yeah. And, le- and let me, let me, I think, re- reiterate one thing. I have absolutely no doubt and full faith in our engineering teams and, and people in the oil and gas industry to, to make the leap and, and yeah. make these new spaces uh, affordable and accessible. It's, it's fascinating how, how much we've accomplished over the years and, um, and some of the things that are coming in the pipeline, which are really, really exciting. Yeah, no, I think, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I have just as much, uh, you know, faith in it and the excitement of knowing that as we, you know, I think part of it is, is the awareness of it too, of even just, you know, maybe you, some, even some internally at, at oil and gas companies may not know exactly what their companies are, are looking at or doing, but you, it's awesome to see the, 
majors and all these companies out there developing venture funds and and you know low carbon solution groups and and stuff like that because you see it you you see it tangibly that you know okay they're putting the words out there that they want to they have net zero goals but it's different than just saying it and then you never see an, another thing about it i mean you're seeing actual investment whether it's in the startups who have a leverage to do it easier or or actual technology uh like you guys or or you know in the space that they or just investment in some of the biomass or other things that are going on that maybe they don't have expertise in, but they're saying, well, if we can use our capital to help catalyze this development, then we're, we're going to do that because that's the, you know, we're putting our money where, where we've told, like told everyone that we want the goals to happen. So we're going to help make them happen. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's, that's, uh, that, you know, I'm excited and I'm, I'm great, you know, grateful for, the industry that we're in. And I think it's, it's going to set the tone for the future and do what we've always done, which is innovate and, and exceed expectations. Yeah. Really exciting times. It is. And I mean, ultimately, hopefully like even eliminating some of the energy poverty that exists too, with all of these, some of these energy sources. Um, I think that's a big, uh, when you step outside of the American picture, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that can be solved uh, with all the things that we've touched on here today. Um, So well, I know. I mean, I've really enjoyed that time flies. It feels like uh, we just started talking. Um, yeah. I feel like I've enjoyed uh, our conversation immensely and, and I've learned, I mean, I've learned things as I do every single time I, I have conversation, um, but have appreciated your insight and, and just you giving us a look into behind the scenes of NOV and just kind of your thoughts, but also, you know, your company's view on how you guys are going to be part of this and how you're going to help catalyze the the change and the transition and use your workforce and, and expertise to, to make it a reality. Um, and I'm excited to follow along with all of that. I look forward to every time I see announcements or see new things coming out, I just get excited to see what the next three to five years has in store. Um, but before I start my round of, I always end with three questions to every guests that are rapid fire. But before I do that, I'll give you the chance to ask me any question that you, that you'd like. Okay. Well, I, I, I don't think I have a question, but I'll say thank you for having me. This has been uh, a, a tremendous pleasure. I, I hope I didn't deceive you with not too much on geothermal. I know the, your main theme is geothermal. There's probably an entire episode that can be done about what the stuff we're doing in geothermal will probably get you the right people for that. But uh uh, I, I think uh, there's a lot of cool things happening at NOV, and um, you know the, the the future is pretty bright when it comes to the role of oil and gas and energy companies in playing in that space. So, really excited to to be part of it. Yeah, no, well, thank you, and and I do appreciate you coming on, and and yeah, I I tell think. Me, tell me, what are your questions? Tell me. Yeah, so my so the first question I ask is is for you. Uh, what would a piece of advice be to a young professional or a early college student? Just uh, you know, something that you'd say as a piece of advice for them in that stage. Uh, we're imperfect. Uh, we're incomplete as an industry. Uh, if you're looking for a place where you can contribute to challenges and and solve complex problems. Uh, I don't think there's any better place than this. This is uh, where you get to be part of leading edge technology, deal with some of the greatest people and uh, have a lot of fun. I know I do. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I echo that. It's a great, it's a great industry to be involved in and, and just the experiences you'll have and you can't even, can't even predict them, but there, there's a lot of awesome ones ahead. So I, I echo that for everyone listening. Uh, second one is in your, career. I know you touched on a few of the places you have been and worked at the beginning, but what, what is a, I'll give the, the realm, what are, what is a favorite experience or location that you got to, to have or work in, in your time at NOV? Oh, interesting. Yeah. I've, so I've, I started in Dubai. I didn't mention I spent about a year in Canada and Edmonton uh, before moving to Saudi and then uh, Houston. I think you know, the, the whole journey has just been fascinating. It's uh, if, if there's one place I would, would go back to, it's probably, you know, whatever's closer to my hometown, which is uh, Lebanon. Uh, but, I mean, with, with all fairness, I've, each one of them has contributed tremendously to my career. Uh, 
uh, and each one of them had its time too. Like I, I wouldn't go back to Saudi today, but Saudi is probably one of the places that contributed the most to my career in terms of technical knowledge and exposure to the field. Right? Moving to Houston got me the probably more the, the business and, and leadership aspect of organizations and, and building a business. And so um, I have uh, really a lot of, lot of good things to, to say. Even Edmonton. I mean, it, was, it wasn't uh, the most exciting spot on the planet, but uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, there's lots of great things that happened. I learned golf in Edmonton. So, uh, oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a never-ending learning process. Though, so that's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't say I learned. I got exposed to golf. You're right. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a, depending on who you are the day that it is, it's a frustrating but yet, fun, you know, great experience. But it's, uh, yeah. No, that's great. I mean, I, I think that's, even for myself, I mean, that's good. It's almost advice mixed into there of just that, uh, you know, I think taking out of every experience you have, uh, there's always going to be, you know, I think in the moment, maybe sometimes it's hard to see, but reflecting on all those experiences that, you know, each one of them offered, you know, something that you're now taking with you for the future or that prepared you for a better, or, you know, prepared you for where you are today uh, in the role that you are, that you probably at that point, you wouldn't even have had known that you were there. So, okay. uh, yeah. Good question. Yeah. Third question, uh, a book recommendation for the listeners. So it doesn't have to be related to anything we talked about here, but just anything you'd recommend for, for our oh, listeners God. to read. Yeah. Um, well, you're catching me off guard there. There's a, there's a great book I'm, I'm, I'm listening to called you're not listening. And okay. so if, uh, if, if you're, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm into this kind of geeky stuff kind of self-development, but, uh, if uh, if you if you think I mean it's 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 a good read. Um, okay, awesome. Well, I'll tag it. I'll look it up and I'll tag it in the show notes for the listeners as well as uh, Assad's profile and, and NOV's page for you guys to follow along. But uh, for all you listening out there, uh, thank you for tuning in. And again, make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on any future conversations um, on our journey to bring awareness to the heat beneath our feet in order to power the future. But thank you, everyone. And until next time, we'll. We will see all of you soon. Thank you.